Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And one of the things that I have found really fascinating, but I'm not hearing as much of anymore, is the idea of using challenges um, inside agencies in order to get information, in order to get uh, solutions to problems and so on a lot faster and a lot less expensive. And my sense is either that it's because people aren't using them as much as they used to, or because the use of them has become more common and it's not such a big deal anymore. I think it remains a new tool. There are the traditional tools of getting things done in government, regulation, uh, contract, uh, grant, regulation, um, and challenges are new, uh, basically, and, and doesn't have the same level of competency across government as those other tools do. So I, I think we're really at the beginning stages of seeing it, but it is a way to get around some of the hurdles imposed by those other tools to move more quickly to innovation. Daniel Krikora is co-founder and CEO of iBility and uh, has a long background in using challenge competitions inside the federal government to attain success. Daniel, thanks for coming on the program this week. What did you find when you were in government was the biggest obstacle and what was the biggest benefit to using challenges? Welcome. Uh, the, the VA is really interesting in that they're one of one of the federal agencies that don't have uh, other transactional authority. And uh, uh, federal agencies that do have OTAs and embrace SIBRs and STTRs, which are creative types of acquisition, uh, they typically embrace challenge competitions a little bit more. So those are your traditional DOD type um, organizations, Army, Navy, etc. And you'll see challenge competitions all over the board for them. Um, but at agencies like VA, where they don't have that authority yet, uh, they are really new. And, and I brought that to VA. What I think was um, the biggest success of doing that was it, it helped those um, executive leaders, but more importantly, probably those functional leaders, those champions on the ground, think differently about how they they either modernize a product, or I'm sorry, modernize a digital solution or bring in a physical product to help veterans. So it just really challenged people to think differently. Danielle, describe the features of a challenge. What makes this a tool that people ought to take advantage of? And what are some of the areas that's this, this been really successful in using? Sure. So challenge competitions, you might have heard people refer to them as hackathons or makeathons or something like that. It's basically a crowdsourcing mechanism where you can put a very refined and specific problem statement out to a broad audience. You can do that within the confines of an organization. So keep it just within VA and offer it to VA employees. Or you can cast a really wide net and push it out there on social media and try to recruit participants from all over the place that are incentivized by helping veterans or helping the VA or, or whatever the topic of your challenge competition is. And then you form teams around that very specific problem statement. Uh, the teams, it usually works best if they're interdisciplinary, made up of a lot of different types of diverse thinking and skill sets. And then you ideate rapidly over a defined period of time. Maybe that's a weekend, maybe that's a week, or maybe some of these challenge competitions are structured uh, to be months and months of, of 
ideating and prototyping and, and getting to a point where you have a product or a solution that has some value. And then they usually always end up with a, a kind of a, a judging period where you have subject matter experts that come in and, and review the prototype uh, they have different defined criteria of how they look at success, and, and then they make award they make awards after that. And sometimes the awards are arbitrary, but a lot of times they're um, tied to significant sums of money. And the idea is to take those uh, proofs of concept, those prototypes, those maybe new startups that come out of it, and really infuse some cash to uh, get them to the next stage of commercialization. Is each one different or are there best practices for building one, Danielle? Oh, absolutely. Every single challenge competition is different. Uh, it, it depends on the organization that is being supported, the types of products and services that you might want to see out of it. I think the challenge competition model works especially well for digital solutions and digital modernization efforts. I think it also works really well for physical products. So if you wanted to build a physical prototype, maybe a new um, piece of durable medical equipment or a new product aesthetic device, awesome. And it also works for programs. So a lot of um, federal aid agencies that are doing work, uh, nonprofit work in, in foreign countries, they might have a problem that is kind of squishy and it's more of a, um, a programmatic solution that they're looking for. Challenge competitions also work for that. And in terms of best practices, I think that from my perspective, you always have to have the right people at the table at the beginning. All the stakeholders need to be aligned on what the vision is. And then you have to get a really very clear and specific problem statement for the teams to work on. If it's, if it's too broad, they'll have a hard time coming up with a solution. The teams have to be interdisciplinary, as I mentioned before, varying skill sets from a variety of different industries. And then at the center of each team, there always needs to be someone that is the end user or that is the subject matter expert that can kind of inform um, what that team is working on. Because a lot of times the experts, uh, the, I'm sorry, the functional and technical experts don't have um, the, the subject matter expertise. So that end user needs to be a part of it. And then there needs to be some thought about what happens next. Because after this, you get all these really great ideas, right? And people are so energized and excited and they want to go forth and conquer and implement and get their solution into the hands of people that need it. But a lot of times there isn't a lot of thought put to how you're going to fund that stuff. Where are you going to pilot it? Who's going to who's going to take ownership of that and, and shepherd it along all of those pathways? Because getting from idea to, for, to provisional patent, if that's what we're talking about, to, to full patent, to startup, to, to funding, to commercial partner. It's just such a long road. So it needs to be thoughtful uh, at the beginning so you don't lose momentum. So tell us how you got into this, Danielle. Oh, that's kind of a fun story. So uh, I'm a disabled veteran. I was in the Army for 10 years, and I had the opportunity to participate in an international challenge competition in Israel. And uh, I was brought along by an amazing nonprofit, veteran nonprofit out of Basalt, Colorado, called Challenge America. And uh, together, we represented Team America. And uh, we had disabled veterans, like I said, from around the world. And these incredibly talented volunteers from Tel Aviv uh, made up 
up the teams. And the disabled veterans presented some sort of challenge to their team. In over 72 hours, they created these incredible prototype solutions. It just kind of blew my mind. And one example, just to kind of crystallize what I'm talking about, there was a, a girl who was a championship surfer in Israel, and uh, she joined the IDF, and she was injured in combat, unfortunately, and paralyzed from the waist down. And uh, within 72 hours, her team quite literally made her an adaptive surfboard, and she was out there on the beaches of Tel Aviv with her GoPro camera surfing again. And seeing that joy on her face after 72 hours, it was just just incredible. And I knew that this was something that energized me, that made me uh, happy, felt like I was giving back to people and I needed to bring it to the United States and the VA needed to spearhead it. And after going through several of them, um, I realized that that's really what I want to do for a living. I want to uh, to take my service disabled veteran status, uh, status as a woman and start a small business and help other federal agencies, uh, nonprofits, academic institutions, commercial businesses, you name it, um, use the challenge competition model and, and really help them accelerate innovation. Is that speed that you referred to there the biggest benefit for organizations that are using challenges or does it depend again on on what the outcome is that they're looking for and what the problem is they're trying to solve? Um, I think it de the answer is it depends. It, I think it depends it, if they're looking for. Um, so the other thing that I did for VA was working for the Office of Information and Technology as a product manager. And in that role, I did a lot of SaaS and PaaS-based development and implementation. And that speed that I just described, that 72-hour speed, works exceptionally well for that type of use case. If they're looking to modernize a process, uh, a digital process, take a legacy system and come in and bring something new, uh, this works so well for that. It's so much less money than the typical RFI, RFP, FAR-based acquisition strategy. Um, you can do a challenge competition inside of a week and you'll have really defined requirements informed by the end users. You'll have clickable dynamic prototype solutions that you can visualize your process in, and then you can make an informed decision about what you want to fund. So it, it works really well for that type of, of model, but others, maybe not so much. It just depends what you're looking for. So what, what advice would you give? folks listening about where to start? Where would they go in the federal government? And are there tools available um, outside hiring you, of course? Um, <laughs> well, that was going to be my first thought. <laughs> you want to give me a call <laughs> over at iBility. But, uh, but most federal agencies have an an innovation center um, organic to their organization, and many do challenge competitions. Uh, some don't, but at least they have the structure and the mindset to to want to do that. So, if this is someone uh, a an innovation champion like I was at VA that says my agency needs one of these challenge competitions, I'd start with the innovation center and uh or unit or whatever they're called and, and go from there danielle thanks very much for coming on and uh, helping us understand how these work and how to really maximize them appreciate your time today of course thanks so much for having me thanks for listening to the fed heads brought to you by grant thornton public sector all of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description we'd love to hear from you connect with us on twitter at gt public sector to join the conversation and don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.